Good morning. Thank you for joining us on today's Friday Word. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to give it to God. He always rewards those who diligently seek after Him. Um, so feel free to subscribe, share. Um, you can go ahead and get your Bibles out. Feel free to take notes. And let's get started in prayer for today. Heavenly Father, give everyone under the sound of my voice a sound heart, which is the life of flesh. We rebuke any and all attacks from the enemy. We bind and rebuke any type of warfare. In Jesus' name, God, remove any evil or sinful attitudes from our hearts. Heal and deliver everyone that is listening to this message. No matter what anyone is dealing with right now in their lives, Lord, give them hope and encouragement that through you they can overcome any type of situation, Jesus, that you are their help in times of trouble, God. Send us your ministering angels. Help us, Lord, with today and anything that you are putting in our path, God. I decree that we do not put any other God before you, Lord, that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things are added unto us. I commit any hidden spirits hiding any part of our lives to come out and be bound and rebuked in the name of Jesus. God, release your warrior angels to fight for us on our behalf, God. Minister to your hearts, Lord, in only the way that you can, and give each person listening to this exactly what you know they need. Heal all of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So today, we are talking about perfect love casting out all fear. We're also talking about, are you a lover of God? So these go hand in hand. God gives us perfect love, and inside of perfect love, there isn't any fear. It's very important <clears throat> for us to look at 1 John 4.18. It says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. It has not yet grown into love's complete perfection. And God wants us to have a deep revelation knowledge of his love for us. <clears throat> Go ahead and write down 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I want you to sit down, go over those scriptures in your Bible time with God, and get that revelation deep into your heart. I know that's a very popular scripture, but it's also very relevant, um, especially in today's world. So God says if we do not love, if we do not have love, we are useless. We gain absolutely nothing. It's important to understand the deep revelation of God's love for us, um, personally and corporately as the body of Christ, because without it, we can do nothing, right? We can't receive eternal salvation. We can't overcome our past. We can't um, move forward into what God has called us to do. We can't love or help others. The devil wants to separate us from the knowledge of the love of God. He wants to bring condemnation with the expectation that he can then steal, kill, and destroy from every aspect of your life. In John 10, it clearly lays out his three-part agenda, right? steal, kill, destroy. The only way to overcome this is through the blood of the lamb. And the only reason we have the blood of the lamb is because of his love for us. 
1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. The father made that decision by sending a part of himself in the form of Jesus, who is the word made manifest. And Jesus made that decision in the garden when he was going through all of his agony before the cross. And yet he decided to walk in love for us and accept the will of God for um, his life. You know, Jesus actually had the option to turn down the agony that he was experiencing in the garden that he would experience in the cross. He could have decided to not follow through with the plan that God set forth. Because Jesus, too, he also had free will. He even describes that in scripture, you know, he could have called down angels and they would have came, stopped everything that was happening, and they would have, um, you know, escorted Jesus back to heaven. He didn't have to go through any of this. But gratefully and thankfully, Jesus did decide on his own free will to love us to the point of death and then his resurrection again on the third day so we can be in right relationship with the Father. That is how the veil was torn. It was his love for us that kept us from all damnation and from the grave. It's really amazing. When you think about that, you take the time to actually mull that over and not just have that be a part of head knowledge for your Christian walk with the Lord, but to actually get that deep in the center of your heart that God loved me so incredibly much that he was willing to humble himself, be born of a virgin in a very humble stable, be wrapped in swaddling clothes, live a normal life, and by the time his ministry started at age 30, he used those three years to teach and to exhort and to minister to us and to give us the example of the way that he expects us to live. And then he made the decision of his own free will to go through the agony in the garden and to greet sweats of great drops of blood that he was sweating because he knew all the pain and the affliction that was coming, that he was willing to carry the cross for us, to be spit in his face and to be made fun of and to be arrested and to be beaten. To, so much so to the point that it pulled the flesh off of his body, that he was unrecognizable by the time he got to the cross. And then he was nailed with sinners. He was charged for crimes that he did not commit. And if you remember in the Bible story how they let one prisoner go and then they decided to arrest Jesus, right? So it was actually... The prisoner that was let go, he was the one that was supposed to be nailed on the cross. Jesus ended up taking his place. And then that goes back, you know, prophetically with um, the Jewish custom of the two goats for the sacrifice that the high priest, one and the scapegoat, and all that. Perry Stone has a really great teaching on that. But when you understand everything that Jesus really went through, and he decided to do that of his own free will, because that's how much he loved us, we then have to come back and analyze our own life. Well, are we even putting God first in our lives? Jesus went through all this, but 
How much time are we actually giving to the Lord? When was the last time we even read our Bible? Have we been doing Bible studies? Is the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is check Instagram? Or it's more important for me to hurry up and start working right away? Or am I spending the most amount of my time watching a Netflix show? Or whatever that might be. Or are we making idol out of a relationship we might have? Or goals that we want to do? Is that where the majority of our energy is being spent versus actually spending time with the Lord, actually reading the Bible, keeping a prayer journal, um, being in, you know, deep intercessory prayer? Are those things that we are actually doing? So because of his work on the cross, his love for us was demonstrated and therefore that cleanses us from our sin. 1 John 1, 17, but if we really are living and walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. So everything good comes from love. Evil cannot operate in true love, and that's why it's so important to know the perfect love of God because it casts out fear, and fear is the main component of evil. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. God created us for love. When we choose anything other than love, we are walking outside the will of God for our lives. It's important to take the time to realign ourselves. So if we are operating in sin and guilt, <clears throat> then we're operating on the side of evil. We're not actually operating on the side of godly love. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf explains our brains are physically and chemically wired for love, and our bodies operate perfectly when we do walk in love. When we choose things that are the opposite of love, it actually does physically affect our minds and bodies, not just emotionally or spiritually. In 1 John 2, 10 through 11, whoever loves his brother lives in the light and in it or in him there is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin but he who hates detests despises his brother in christ is in darkness and walking or living in the dark he is straying and does not perceive or know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes and we can very clearly see that going on throughout the world if everyone was actually operating in the love of god so many of our issues would be solved God has called us to love God and love people. How can we love others if we first do not receive the revelation of Christ's love for us? How can we know how to properly love someone else if we first don't take the time to know and, under and understand what the love of God is and have it operating in our own lives first? We cannot demonstrate the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit if we do not allow Him the access that He needs to do so. Are you blocking the Holy Spirit from saturating the love of God in your heart and soul? Um, that's a good question to ask yourself when you're in your prayer time with the Lord. First John 2.15, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the old, love for the Father is not in him. Putting God first place is the most important when it comes to order of our lives. He tells us that for your own benefit, everything flows from him first. So how can you expect to have anything worthwhile if, in fact, you are not putting him first? If we aren't putting first things first, you will end up with nothing. God is a jealous God. He does not want to compete with idols. When we see that in Joshua as well. He tells the people to get rid of false gods, sanctify yourselves, determine this day who you will serve. You need to make that decision also. 
what is actually taking that first primary relationship? Make sure it is Christ. 1 John 5.21, little children, keep yourselves from idols, false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. Um, 1 John 3.13-14, do not be surprised and wonder, brethren, that the old detest and pursues you with hatred. We know that we have that we have possesses over out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. He who does not love remains as held and kept continually in spiritual death. And on your own time, these are some really good scriptures to read and to go over. First John three and twenty four, first John four, seven through twelve, um, first John four, sixteen through nineteen, and first John four, twenty through twelve. And then I'll leave you with this last scripture. 1 John 5 and 3, For the true love of God is this, that we do His commandments, keep His ordinances, and are mindful of His precepts and teaching. And these orders of His are not irksome, burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. So do some evaluation, make proper changes. Um, If you need to, change your schedule, change some priorities, work your life around God, not the other way around. Put Him first. He will bless you and he'll take care of absolutely everything else. Uh, I definitely encourage you to read all of 1 John. It's only five chapters, so you can probably get through that in one sitting. But I hope this blesses you and encourages you to not only understand the full knowledge and the deep revelation of the love of God, but then to also extend that love of God to others and to those around you. Um, Love is really the love of God and the love of people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us, that he left us with. And if we can actually put that into practice, what a change we will see in our world. So be blessed today, um, and we will see you next time. God bless. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me for another Friday Word. Today we will be exploring the topic of gratitude. We see that all over the Bible, we know that is a very important factor in our lives. Um, God even explains that in great detail to us. Um, So feel free to subscribe, share. If you want to take notes, that's great. Let's get started in prayer. Father, let your angels ascend and descend upon our lives We renounce any sin we have been involved with and ask you to bless us with your wisdom and understanding. Reveal the deep and spiritual things of your word to us, God. Bless every person that is listening to this, Lord. Allow our hearts to be open and receptive and tender. Keep us from evil, Lord. Let all evil spirits be cast out in the name of Jesus. Open the hearts and minds of your people to receive your word today in the exact way that you know that they need, Lord. Give them a word of knowledge in season that applies specifically to their lives. We rebuke and bind any and all demonic interference. And God, we pray that the seeds of your word that are spoken here today, God, will be planted in good and fertile ground in their hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way 
do with this what you will. God, your will be done. Speak to your people, Jesus, in all the, the way that you can. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So what is gratitude? Um, it's a feeling of appreciation or thanks, according to the dictionary. So some benefits of gratitude. It improves your sleep. You have better relationships. It reduces stress. According to Psychology Today, gratitude can improve physical health. It can improve psychological health. It enhances empathy and reduces aggression. It improves self-esteem and increases your mental strength. They say that recognizing all that you have to be thankful for, even during the worst times, fosters resilience. Tony Robbins says, you can't be fearful and angry and be grateful. Christy Wright said, never overlook kindness. In Psalms 51.15, that says, unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. What does gratitude look like? How can you practice gratitude in your everyday life? So you might wake up every day and put into practice a thankful heart. Start by praising and worshiping God. The Bible says to enter into his courts with thanksgiving. So maybe in your quiet time with the Lord, you could have a gratitude journal and write down, you know, seven things every day that you're thankful for. Or as you're getting ready for work in the morning, you're praying to the Lord and you're thanking him for at least five things that he's done in your life that you're just so grateful for that you prayed and prayed and the Lord came through as he always does. You know, you can put um, a little journal next to your bed and before you go to bed at night, you can jot down five things um, that happened that day that you know the Lord's hand was in and you just want to thank him for that. You know, start and end your day with gratitude. We can establish that in your daily routine. Um, thank you cards. That's a great way to let people in your life know that you're thankful for something that they did or for who they are in your life or for supporting you and something that was important that was going on. Worshiping the Lord, you know, um, prayers of thanksgiving and praise. Uh, this can include any type of answered prayer. Um, even like at work, you know, making sure that you're thanking people for helping you or maybe your neighbor helps you with something, thanking them. Um, that can include... You know, maybe you could give um, some gifts of thanks to people that have really blessed your life. And that also falls into honor. Um, and honor is very important to the Lord as well. And it's something, I don't know if you guys watch this show, um, but it's so cute. It's called Bringing Up Bates. Um, and it's about this family. And whenever they do birthdays, they always give that person a praise. So the whole family will give that birthday person a praise about something and that's such a wonderful idea and we need to remember that it's important for us to build up the people in our lives as well even something like taking care of your health exercise getting your checkups take your vitamins making sure you're getting proper amounts of sleep um th that might not sound very spiritual or odd even, but it is actually. You know, when you take the time to think and believe that the Lord made you in your mother's womb, 
He created you for a purpose. King David says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God made our bodies. So then showing gratitude for the Lord is done by taking care of your health. Um, a similar situation would be like if you gift your child a toy for Christmas, but then they spend their time abusing it. They're beating it up or they're neglecting it. They're not taking care of it. And eventually, in a short period of time, you know, it's left in shambles. It's broken down. It does not reflect the gift that you gave them. So that's how it is with our bodies. You wouldn't appreciate your child if the gift that you just gave them they just beat it up or they just throw it in a corner or whatever, you're, you probably won't be, you know, as encouraged to give them something else. Because if they didn't take care of what you already gave them, why would you be inclined to give them more? So that's how God views us, right? God gifted us these amazing bodies and we show him thanksgiving and gratitude for our life by taking care of ourselves. Not only physically, but also spiritually and mentally, emotionally. We're making sure that, you know, we are firing on our all cylinders. That if there is anything that we need to work through in our life, or if there is any breakthrough that's needed, um, if there's anything that needs to be cleaned up, same concept. So we're making sure that, you know, we're getting ourselves right with the Lord, that we're getting ourselves cleaned up, even in our homes. You know, we want to show that we are thankful to the Lord for what he has blessed us with by taking care of our homes. And we also have to remember that our body is the home of the Lord. The, ho the Holy Spirit resides within us. So we want to make sure it's a, a um, welcoming place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. Psalm 104 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering and into his courts with praise. Be thankful and say so to him. Bless and affectionately praise his name. Psalm 107.9 For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good. Ecclesiastes 9.15 A poor wise man knew how to save the town, and so it was rescued. But afterward, no one thought to thank him. That's a really heartbreaking scripture. Let's pursue in our lives in such a way that we are always thanking those people in our lives who are making a difference and an impact, whether it be large or small contributions. You know, there is scripture that states Jesus helped a group of men from leprosy. He healed them from leprosy and only one came back to thank him. That's so heartbreaking. You know, Jesus asked, where are the others? Let this be a lesson to us. That God is looking for our thanksgiving. Every good thing comes from Him. So make sure to praise God. Are we like our Heavenly Father in our word life? How does our mouth behave? And Psalm 107.20 it says, He sends forth His word and heals them and rescues them from the pit and destruction. We are made in God's image and He wants us to behave like Him. Jesus said while He was on the earth in flesh... All that he did and everything he said was what he saw the Father do. And we are to act accordingly. That means that God speaks out what he wants to happen. That's how he created the earth and all the matter in the universe. He speaks, decrees, declares, prophesies, calls forth, 
calls those things that are not as though they already are. He uses his words with purpose and intention for good and not destruction. So are we like our Heavenly Father in that way? You know, how is our mouth behaving? And I'm speaking to myself with this too, definitely. Are we speaking forth good things? Are we edifying people? Are we lifting people up? Are we edifying ourselves? Are we speaking negative, discouraging thoughts and words to ourselves? Are we prophesying into our future? Are we rescuing others with the encouragement of our words? Or are we using our lips for evil, complaining, cursing? Are we speaking negatively? We need to consecrate our lips and our words and our thought life unto the Lord. And I challenge you to stop complaining for 24 hours and see what a difference that makes in your spirit and your life and how that uplifts your heart and in the people around you as well and in situations that you're in. And then once you accomplish that, do it for another 24 hours and then for another 24 and another 24 and just keep going. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf in her book, Switch on Your Brain, says everything and everyone is linked and we all affect each other. One body in Christ, Romans 12, 5, we are so entangled that our intentions alter not only our own DNA molecules, but the DNA molecules of others as well. The Heart Math Foundation determined that genuine positive mention, as reflected by a measure called heart rate variability, directed with intentionality towards someone, actually changed the way the double helix DNA strand coils and uncoils. And this goes for both positive and negative emotions and intentions. Other research shows that even 30 seconds a day of direct heartfelt intention will alter not only your own destiny, but impact the lives of others in this generation and the next three at least. Massive. So we must analyze and ask ourselves, what are we sowing into God's sons and daughters? Are we thinking and speaking with biblical love and encouragement? Are we thinking about how these words will affect our children, our children's children down to the third generation? There's scientific evidence of this. Or are we allowing the devil airtime in our thoughts and conversations? Are we allowing our lack of gratitude to affect those three generations later? Or will we decide today to use our intention of gratitude to positively impact our own life and the lives of those around us and those within the next generations? We must admit that we're all guilty of this at some point or another in our lives, but the Bible says we must forgive each other, and this includes the most important aspect of forgiving ourselves and then we can ask God for forgiveness and then he will be able to do so come to the Lord with the intention of a repentant heart and take receive your forgiveness from him and then do better put into practice gratitude and make sure that is reflected in your thoughts life and in your words there's now no condemnation in Christ so put into practice, make it a goal, five, seven things, ten things every day that you're grateful for, and prayer, write it down, however the Lord's leading you to do that. But put gratitude into practice in your life and see how many benefits that you will in fact be reaping from it. So thank you so much for um, joining me today for this week's Friday Word. And we will see you next time. God loves you. God bless you. Bye-bye.